Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. In July 2023, Spain took over the presidency of the Council of the European Union. It was the first transfer of this position since President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, introduced the concept of de-risking into the bloc's relationship with China. It is also still during the Spanish Council presidency that an EU-China summit will be taking place in early December 2023. What is the relationship between Spain and China? Has this relationship influenced the Spanish Council presidency? And what can we say about the upcoming EU-China summit? My name is Johannes Heller-Jon, and to answer these questions, I am joined by Mario Esteban, full professor at the Center for East Asian Studies of the Autonomous University of Madrid and senior analyst at the El Canto Royal Institute. Together with his colleague, Hugo Armanini, he wrote this chapter on Spain in this year's report by the European Think Tank Network on China. Mario, welcome to the Max China podcast. Thank you so much, Johannes, for having me. You're welcome. Can you give us a short introduction into Spain's relationship with China and how it has changed over the last years? Well, I think it's important to to give some some context here, you know, because maybe for, for some of the audience it sounds like too long ago, but Franco's dictatorship was very relevant for understanding the evolution of uh, Spain-China relations because under that dictatorship, Spain has no uh, relations with the People's Republic of China until the official recognition you know what was established in in 1973 and after that even if the, the two governments started to recognize each other the relations were like frozen literally you know there was no no, no relationship you know um so the um, actual links you know actual significant economic cultural people to people you know exchanges between spain and china started in the 80s have been of course you know growing quite significantly you know since the since that time you know since the mean mid 80s you know till, till nowadays particularly you know in the in the first two decades you know of this century we can say that uh, relations between spain and china have been booming you know to some extent but from a very very low base and that's important to keep in mind because that's one of the reasons that even if you know this bilateral relationship yeah, has increased quite significantly you know in the last decades the, the general level of interaction you know between spain and, and, and china you know in terms of trade uh financing financial flows you know people to people exchanges and so on is not as big as with other uh, EU member states, you know, that are similar to Spain, you know. When it comes, you know, to the to these, the highlights, you know, maybe we, we, it would be useful, you know, to mention some highlights, you know, in this period of expansion, you know, bilateral relationship between Spain and China, uh, we can talk about the establishment of the Comprehensive Strategic Partnership in 2005, you know, Chinese purchases of Spain's public debt, very significant during the Eurozone crisis, Uh, Spain's entrance as a founding member of the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank and the participation of then Spain's Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy on the first Bell and Road Cooperation Forum you know, in Beijing 2017. You know? So we, we could see, you know, that, that was the, the, the trend, you know, for, for these uh, decades, you know, the growing engagement, you know, uh, increase of the relationship. But this process, you know, came to an end 
you know, I think it's, it's, it's been very obvious, you know, for Spanish society at large, you know, for many Spanish stakeholders, you know, in the in, in the corporate world and also in, in the politics, you know, that this um, growing relationship translated into a quite asymmetric relationship with China, you know, and of course, China was able, you know, to 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 use that asymmetry, you know, in its favor, you know, and also some of uh, Xi Jinping policies, you know, they came in contradiction with Spain's values and interests, you know, in different in different areas. So uh, the mood change in Spain, you know, the mood change when it comes to, to the relationship with China, and instead of trying to keep pushing for more and more and deeper and deeper relationship with China, you know, uh, Spanish stakeholders started to get more selective. In order, you know, being realized that some areas could be still, of course, good for cooperation with China for mutual benefit, but there were other areas in which Spanish stakeholders started to become more sensitive. And frankly speaking, I think that that's also the the mood, you know, in, in, in the general mood in the EU and also in Spain's al other allies, you know, like the like the US, you know. And from that point of view, it's, it's very obvious that uh, Spain nowadays, of course, and from the very beginning, actually, embraces, you know, quite enthusiastically, you know, the, the EU multifaceted approach to China. 2019, you know, a uh, strategy, you know, that sees China as a partner, competitor and rival, you know, and that's uh, definitely, you know, the, the position of, of Spain uh, nowadays. I definitely want to come to the topic of Spanish interaction in the EU regarding China a little bit later on. First, I would like to go more into Spain itself. In July 2023, apart from taking over the presidency of the Council of the European Union, there were also general elections in Spain. Mm. And I'd like to ask you whether China has played a role in these elections or not. Well, no, it didn't. I mean, for the sake of time, you know, of course, I have to, to make a very um, general overview, right, of the, of the yeah, bilateral sure. relationship. But one important point that I miss to mention is that uh, there is a very strong or quite a strong political consensus in Spain when it comes to China. You know, the, the two main, in Spain, there are like two main political parties, the only two that have uh, enough, you know, political support to to be able to to lead you know a government in Spain I'm talking about the Socialist Party and the Popular Party and these two parties have had a quite pragmatic approach to China you know so um, there are no deep differences uh, between them on the China strategy and therefore the relations with China are not an issue on Spanish uh, politics. And on top of that, you know, I think it's important to remember, as I said before, that the, the Spain's engagement with China is not as big as other EU member states. Therefore, you know, this is in terms of, of actual, you know, uh, trade links and financial links, of course, they're important, but they're not that significant. And therefore, that's also a reason, you know, China is not part of the of the electoral debate in, in, in Spain. A topic that we often at Merix uh, have pushed forward is the question of China expertise. How much does the general society or the government in, in specific countries know about China and we uh, argued always for uh, deepening expertise to engage on a more knowledgeable basis with, with China. And I would like to ask you what from your point of view is the, the expertise on China in Spanish society and the Spanish government? 
Well, uh, again, I think it's important, you know, to go back a little bit in time to, to get some perspective, because as I mentioned before, you know, we, we, Spain had a dictatorship, you know, for, for, for decades, you know, and that was very significant because Spain uh, was isolated internationally at that time. You know, um, Spain was an international pariah, you know, in those decades. Therefore, when Spain democratized, you know, in the late 70s, it has like to re-engage with the international community again. And when that process happened, you know, mainly in the 80s and 90s, you know, of course, the, the um, priority regions for Spain were not East Asia, you know, there were closer regions like Europe, you know, um, the Mediterranean region, and of course, Latin America, you know, for obvious uh, cultural uh, reasons. So China was not much on, on the radar, you know, and there was not significant uh, expertise on China in Spain. You know, Johannes, just for give you one, one example, you know, maybe shocking, you know, for to you that we didn't have like a, a proper BA program in Spain on East Asian studies until uh, year 2003. You know, that was the year, you know, it was first established, you know, a BA on East Asian studies. And of course, with uh, proper, you know, an intensive uh, training on, on, on Chinese language, you know. So uh, this explains a lot, you know, about, about this lack of, of general lack of expertise, you know, in, in Spain about China. However, as I mentioned also before, in the um, 21st century, you know, general um, relations between Spain and China increase very, very substantially. You know, a lot of Spanish people uh, went to China for war, for, for um, um, education, you know, uh, and the other way around, you know, a lot of Chinese people immigrated to Spain or came here, you know, for for work or for, for education. Um, therefore, you know, uh, there's been a very significant increase in the um, expertise on China in, in Spain. I think just for give you, you know, one a very, a very obvious example of this. In the last few years, you know, there's been uh, some graduates, you know, for Chinese studies or East Asian studies, you know, with, with Chinese studies major, you know, and, and, and who are proficient, you know, in, in Chinese language, you know, and they have been able to enter the diplomatic uh, service in Spain, you know, so we are starting to have, you know, that kind of, of people who have like a specific, you know, proper knowledge on, on China and who can't, you know, manage comfortably, you know, with Chinese stakeholders and in Chinese. This kind of, of new expertise is also coming from the corporate sector. Because uh, again, you know, in, in the last, particularly in the last two decades, more and more Spanish companies started to engage with China. And therefore, there are more and more people, you know, who have that kind of, of uh, expertise, you know, and, and who is able to create more informed debates and discussions, you know, on China, uh, about China in, in, in Spain, you know. So uh, even if we were coming from a very low base, I think we've done quite a significant catching up, you know, <laughs> lately. Now I want to shift our uh, focus from inside Spain to the, the European level. And as I mentioned before, in July of this year, Spain took over the presidency of the Council of the European Union. And I would like to ask you whether Spain entered, well, the Spanish government entered this presidency with the specific agenda on China in mind, or whether there was actually no, no, no agenda on this point. Well, uh, China was not a, a priority on its own in the agenda of the Spanish government for the presidency of the EU Council. I mean, first of all, it, it was uh, it was quite obvious, you know, that this update 
of the EU strategy on China. Uh, the debate on that, you know, uh, started to, to take place in the Swedish uh, presidency. Um, and therefore, you know, uh, the, the, the Spain wanted to, the Spanish authorities want to put the, the focus on other areas that they felt, you know, maybe they had like more particular uh, interests or more particular um, knowledge or capabilities, you know, to move forward. And there were like three three issues, you know, three main focuses for, for Spain during the presidency. Uh, one was advancing uh, on a strategic autonomy. Another was keeping a consensus inside the EU for supporting Ukraine. And another one, the third one was boosting relations with Latin America, you know, in particular the signing of the uh, FTA with Mercosur. You know. So when it came to China, the main goal, of course, because China was there, was not a priority, but, but you cannot just keep China nowadays, right? I mean, it's, it's too important, you know, it's not like the Spanish <laughs> government. Uh, thought that there was going to be no China, you know, in the in the in this during this presidency of the of the EU Council, but uh, not a priority. And the main issue, you know, when it came to China, was uh, first to try to keep constructive relationship with China, or to try, you know, to to yeah, to be able, you know, to to have a constructive relationship with China, but even more important than that was keeping consensus or a relative consensus or a strong consensus inside the EU on the China strategy. It was very important for, for the Spanish authorities, you know, to avoid uh, division, you know, on this on this issue. The consensus was on this uh, multifaceted uh, EU strategy I mentioned before. And also, it was very important for Spain to be able to keep coordination or at least some kind of coordination with the U.S., when it comes to this, you know, because at the end of the day, of course, relationship with China are important, but transatlantic relations are even more important uh, for Spain, you know, uh, and therefore they didn't want to, Spanish authorities didn't want to put relations with Washington at risk, you know, for 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 trying to mend fences, you know, with, with, with Beijing. Um, in, in addition, you know, I think it's very, also very important to, to underline that there's been like, two very significant events, you know, that have changed a little bit uh, the, the agenda, you know, on, on EU-China relations during the Spanish presidency. Maybe two things that were not, you know, that, that, that obvious before. Uh, one, of course, is the war in, in, in Gaza, you know, the, um, this has put the Middle East, you know, in the agenda with China, that, that's, that's very obvious, and and I'm, I really doubt, you know, that Spanish authorities could, could predict that, you know, a few, a few uh, yes, a few months back, back. On this regard, you know, the, the EU would like, of course, China, you know, to, to explicitly condemn Hamas, you know, terrorist attack on, on October the 7th, and of course, you know, Spain would like, you know, uh, China to use its clout in the region, you know, to about to avoid, you know, further further escalation. That, that's one one point, you know, that definitely was not in the agenda, you know, before before the presidency. And and another issue that, that I think is, is is becoming more and more important has to do with economic security, because as as you know, Johannes, you know, the, the EU release his strategy on economic security right at the end of the Swedish presidency. 
And, and now, you know, that, that, that we have agreed to the risking, you know, from China, we have to start to, to, to agree on, on the specific, right? About what do we mean? And of course, also on the specific on uh, which kind of instruments we are going to develop and how are we going, you know, to achieve that, that goal of the, of the risking, you know? And I think that's now, you know, also part of the, of the agenda, you know, um, for Spain, you know, when it comes to China inside the, the EU. On December 7 and 8, leaders from the EU and China will come together in Beijing for an EU-China summit. From what you know or what you've heard, what do you think will be on the agenda in this meeting? Well, um, we have actually mentioned some of the of the issues that are going to be discussed, you know, uh, when it comes to the economic relations, uh, de-risking is going to be on the on the agenda, of course. Um, also, and something that it's very important for the EU side, and I missed to mention that, is the huge trade deficit, you know, that, that the EU has now with, with China, you know, last year was uh, almost 400,000 um, million euros, you know, which is, 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 is I mean, is, uh, I think is, is the highest, you know, trade deficit that the EU never had before. And that's going to be for sure on the on the agenda, you know, and, and what can China do, you know, for leveling leveling the playing field, you know, with economic playing field with Europe, you know, because as you know, this has been a recurrent uh, topic, you know, a recurrent issue, you know, on, on bilateral meetings. But I think that in, in this particular summit is going to be uh, particularly pressing, you know, for the EU, since the as I mentioned, you know, the trade deficit now is, uh, is unprecedented, you know, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly high. And when it comes to more uh, geopolitical, uh, you know, topics, of course, Ukraine is still there, of course. And as I mentioned before, uh, probably the Middle East, you know, is going to be there too, you know, because uh, this is a very pressing issue for both sides, you know, and, and I think that both sides recognize each other, you know, as significant, you know, stakeholders, you know, when it comes to, to, to big uh topics you know in the for the global agenda um so when it comes to topics you know i think that's basically are going to be you know the more significant things that they are going to discuss about and of course you know china i i presume i don't know but i presume that china will raise you know taiwan because uh as you know this is the always the most important uh, topic for China and in, in mid-January, uh, you know, also uh, presidential elections are going to be uh, held in in Taiwan. And of course, you know, I think that's also part of the reason that is going to be on the on, on the table, you know, in this, in this EU-China summit. What are your expectations for outcomes from the summit or maybe asked in a different way, why why do you think this summit is relevant? Well, yeah, I, 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 it's, I think it's, it's good that, that you actually ask this question in two different ways, because, <laughs> because you know, um, maybe, you know, I think that I, I don't expect very significant outcomes, you know, at first sight, because I, even if, you know, uh, there's been dialogues and the, the, the trade and economic dialogue, you know, and also the strategic dialogue and there's been also political consultations. So there's been like some work being done, you know, by the two sides in order, you know, to try to get some uh, specific results in order to, to came, you know, with some deliverables, let's put it that way, you know, after the summit. Frankly speaking, I'm not very optimistic when it comes to that. Uh, however, 
I, I don't think that that means that this uh, summit is is irrelevant. I think actually think that this summit could be very very significant. You know, even if they are not substantial deliverables after after that. You know, uh, because it's easy you know to forget how it was the last. EU-China summit, you know, that took place uh, in spring, you know, uh, 2022. It was by video conference, but 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 for me, the, the most significant point that I want to underline here is not the change from video conference, you know, to 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 actual, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, summit, but to the point that in the previous, you know, in the 2022 uh, summit, the level of mistrust between EU and China. I think was was incredibly high, you know, that the, the the situation was tense probably as never before, you know. I mean, it was just a couple of months after, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, China was, as we all know, was supporting that. I mean, uh, to some extent. Um, also, you know, it was in the context of economic coercion against Lithuania, uh, so it was very, very tense, you know. And I think that this, the, the, the summit, you know, that is going to be to be held in early December, it could uh, help to mend some of these trust, you know, to, 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 to create, you know, some momentum, you know, for moving towards a more constructive but realistic relationship with China. So, yeah, I, I, I like to, 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 to think, you know, that this summit is going to, to show that we have touched, you know, like the, or we have passed the, the, the worst, you know, of these tensions and, and mistrust, you know, between, between the EU and China. So from that point of view, I think this, this summit could be particularly relevant. We'll be looking forward to early December and see uh, what, what the EU-China summit brings. Mario, thank you very much for your time your insights, and it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Johannes. It was a pleasure to me too, and I have to confess that I'm not particularly fond of, of doing podcasts, but I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> thank you so much. Great, thank you. And dear listener, if you want to know more about Mario's work, I will put a link in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.